Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Chapter number three. I want to do our best tonight to obey God. Um, <clears throat> there's times the unction of God is so strong, there's no doubt. And there's times that in my prayers I question, Lord, what would you have me to do? But um, I want to be clear that I'm, uh, again, I'm just the messenger and not a very good one. But I need the message. And so I pray for the unction of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean anything until the Holy Ghost has come. And so I desire your prayers. Pray for us. Romans chapter number 3. Chapter number 3, we'll begin at verse number 10. Romans 3, verse number 10 is where we'll begin our text. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I'll stop right there. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, how I thank you that this is truth. I'm so grateful tonight for the law. 
for the word that brought me to a place of, of understanding and awareness of sin, that I am a sinner. I thank you for this truth. But greater still, we thank you, Father, that you alone are righteous. You alone are right. Help us. Now, to see this clearly, we pray, Father, that you would encourage every heart with its truth. We've no more to offer God but vessels, and so we're trusting you and all of the things that are divine. Guide us now. And in this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I suppose Romans is probably one of my favorite books. No, it is. I'll just tell you. It's one of it's the favorite. I love how the apostle tackles the hard things in Romans. It was so clear and direct, and we find so many truths concerning salvation, concerning the Jews, concerning uh, the future, and... Um, and Romans has not only impacted me, but I, I know you as well, but, but many others before. I think it was uh, Martin Luther that said that it was in the study of Romans that he found grace. And it caused him to abandon everything that he had known and to stand as one of the reformers of our faith against the Catholic Church. Grace. We'll never understand the truth of God's Word until we recognize where we've been and what it saved us from. And we began purposefully at verse number 10 and and stopped where we did uh, for the simple uh, purpose or cause tonight to remind us that Jesus Christ is the only righteous one. As the Apostle Paul wrote to one of the churches, I believe in Corinth, he, he said, I'm not sorry that I wrote it. He said, I'm sorry that it brought you to such godly sorrow, but he said, I'm not sorry that you repented because that godly sorrow worked in you righteousness. And, uh, and I'm challenged sometimes just as a human, I suppose, when I think of you, the good people that are sitting, I said good people. See, I, I thank you as good people. And, and I love you in that way. And when I think of the people of this church, my heart is, is just filled with a gratefulness. And yet what I know, and then I'm reminded of in the Word of God, is that you're not good. There is such a contradiction that plays out in my heart and in my mind. And, and then when the Holy Spirit challenges, well, it's not a challenge, it's a direction. When the Holy Spirit tells me what to do, and, uh, and sometimes it seems like uh, message after message uh, just is sent to strip away. Any thought of self-righteousness in you um, that 
I caught myself, I don't know why I'm confessing, Paul, but I'm, I caught myself praying and thinking in my heart, Lord, if there was just some other word, I'll, I'd rather preach that. But uh, he knows what we need, I don't. And so I want to be obedient to God tonight. A simple message. And, and every part of this is not, not necessarily to focus on you or your inabilities or your incapabilities or your struggles or your imperfections. But it is to point you to the one who is perfect and to remind us that we are not perfect. It was the self-righteousness of the Pharisees that the Lord despised. He didn't, he didn't deal with it when they came in their self-righteous efforts. He sent them away. They came no more closer to God, but their intent was not to be close to God. Their intent was to continue to build up their own self-worth and self-righteousness. And so tonight, there's just a simple truth that I want to try to make certain we all leave with. It's not to tear you down, um, you know, the Holy Spirit does a good enough job at that. And I don't know about you, but I just love how he does it. I appreciate the patience of God. I appreciate the diligence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but he don't let much slip with me. And I'm grateful for that. And at the, the, the slightest occurrence of self-righteousness, at least in my life, the Holy Spirit gets offended with it. And that's good. Because the truth is, you see, that I have no righteousness to offer. And any thought of self-righteousness is simply a ploy of my enemy. It is the chance of the evil one to come in to, to sow discord in my own heart. And when he tells me that I have done something good, when he tries to build me up, and I know the difference. You may not, but I know the difference. I know when the enemy's trying to build me up for his own purpose and for his and for my own destruction. I know how important it is to discern between the two. You see, the truth is there is not one of us good. So the Apostle Paul to the Romans writes here in, in verses 10 through verses 18. I won't go through them all, but what he does is basically quotes the Old Testament. He was a master of it. He knew just exactly what to say, and as the Holy Spirit inspired him, he could pull from his own memory, no doubt, the very truth from the Old Testament. And when he refers to the law as being inadequate, he refers to the purpose of the law. What he's referring to is the Old Testament itself. Not that Old Testament was unnecessary. I can assure you it is necessary. Everything that was done in the Old Testament was pointing to what would be done in the New Testament. And I'll say this, you can't have one without the other. Right? There is no foundation for which our gospel is based until you have the Old Testament and the prophesying and all of that which God sent to bear witness to truth and according to You'll find even as we read in your hearing here, uh, verse number 21, 
the law and the prophets all, they all testify that the very thing that, that Jesus did is the manifestation of God's truth. So verses 10 through 18 was the law. It was the Old Testament. It was the word of God found in the, in the words of the prophets, the words of those that would, would become the heroes of our faith. It was the word of God that would bring to awareness the sin of man. Now, it's the law that condemned him, you see, for what they realized. And so many of the Jews had falsely understood it and had accepted many of those things and added their own laws and their own doctrines and their own rituals. And in doing so, they were trying to establish their own goodness. They were trying to build a different way. They were trying to make a way to which where men would look at them, they would see them as righteous because of the deeds that they had done. But truth is, according to the Apostle Paul, there is none good, no, not one. Multiple times in verses 10 through 18, he challenges one's own assessment of themselves and says to them, the scripture has already concluded that we have all come short of the glory of God. Not one is good. No, not one. And on our best days, we have no more to offer God than filthy rags. (laughs) Why he would accept them, I know not. And yet what we find is that he's a merciful God. And yet only in the humility and the earnest surrender of a heart will he receive the very heart's desire, the very things that we offer as petitions unto him. Verses 10 through 18, I don't want to spend long there, but I want you to know that verses 10 through 18 represent the Old Testament, the law of God. And that law has a purpose. That law has a, has a responsibility. It has a purpose. It's the reason that God sent it. What Paul would go on to say in the book of Hebrews is that the law represented Mount Sinai. It represented the law of God. It represented all the things that we couldn't do. And yet, though it's the law itself, it was that very law that it that it made us aware of our sinfulness. And so we find, and I'll begin tonight in verse number 19. And in verses number 19 and 20, I want us to look at the purpose of the law. And in the next seven or eight verses, I want to, us to see the righteousness of Christ. The law itself wasn't righteous. Was it perfect? It was indeed But the problem with the law is is that we couldn't keep it. The flesh was weak, is what Paul would say in another place, is that the flesh was weak and therefore the law was something that condemned us. It convicted us. It, It condemned us to death because we were unable to keep it. And even if we could keep part of it, what Paul says in another epistle is that in 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 breaking one law, you become guilty of all of them. Because the law is the righteousness of God. And yet we find that we're not able to keep the law. And so we find the purpose of the law, even though it condemned man, it had a greater purpose. And so we find in verse number 19, where he says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. There's your purpose. That every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. You say, well, why in the world would God's purpose be to make the whole world guilty? The purpose of making the whole world guilty through the law itself was so that the whole world could be saved through the mediation of Jesus Christ. 
right? In becoming, making the whole world guilty, then he could offer one sacrifice for the whole world and therefore make a way that all could be saved. Verse number 20, therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh justified in his sight. For by the law is simply the knowledge of sin. The law is to bring us as a schoolmaster would bring us to an awareness, to an education of understanding that I am a sinner. When I compare myself to the law of God, I find that I'm not able to keep it. Not even on my best days am I able to be perfect. And in becoming guilty before God, I find that I am in need of a Savior, someone who is not guilty, someone who is perfect, someone who is able to keep the whole law. Everything the law was to do was to stop my mouth and to lift up Christ because in him ultimately would only become the the justification necessary for you and I. Now we know, he said, that what things soever the law saith, it says to them who are under the law, but that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh justified. No one can be justified in the sight of God by their keeping of the law. Now, you would think that this is contrary to what we preached this morning, the importance of living a godly life, living right before him. And yet then we read in the book of Romans how important it is to recognize that the keeping of the law will justify no one. Now, as I I was thinking about this the other day and just wrestling with the thoughts of, of, of the importance of Christ, what became clear to me was that the purpose of the law was to strip from you every thought of self-righteousness, that every part of your thanksgiving, your gratitude, and your dependence would go to the one who did save, who can justify, and according to the Apostle Paul, he alone is the one to save. In this we find, verse number 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law. These things are manifested, how? Through Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, he offered a simple salvation, and what he offered to use is salvation by believing, right? Not by working, not by doing, but by believing. Every man that has ever been born again has been done so because they believed in Christ not by what they did. If there was anything that was required other than Christ alone and the grace of God, friend, then you could attribute salvation to a work. You could attribute what Jesus did, what he had to do, what he, what he had to give in order for you and I to live. All of these things would be mute if you could add any work to it. So a pardon as, as, the, as the Apostle Paul writes to them and makes it clear that all of the things that have been given to us in the Old Testament, they weren't to make us holy. They were to make us sinners. And in a desperate condition, being depraved of, of all righteousness, we look to Jesus who alone is righteous. We become guilty before God. Our mouths are stopped. We have nothing to offer. We become convicted of sin and we are guilty before God and therefore there is no man justified in the sight of God by works. 
the law, keeping the law, not any of those things can be used to go around Jesus Christ. He made it clear that all that came any other way but by me were thieves and robbers. They'll have no part in heaven and you won't either. If you don't come through Jesus Christ, you will miss heaven altogether. (laughs) Oh, how people confuse themselves in thinking that because a person is devoted, committed, or sincere, that somehow or another they don't need Christ. I assure you, friend, if without Christ it doesn't matter how devoted you are, doesn't matter how committed you've been, you'll stand before God a sinner and ungodly because you have rejected the only means of justification, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous one. There had to be one, you see, that was righteous. The only thing that God would accept was pure, perfect. His instructions to the children of Israel in the Old Testament was clear to set aside a lamb that was without spot and without blemish. They were taught from the very beginning that it had to be their very best. He wouldn't accept anything except their very best. And I can assure you that a lamb, regardless of whose lamb it was, was not perfect, but it had to be the best that they had. May I say to you today that when God sent his son, he sent the best. They knew that. And the Old Testament was there to bring them to the awareness of that knowledge that ultimately there had to be something better. And Jesus is that something better. Jesus is and and has always been the only perfect sacrifice that could have been given. According to the scripture from the foundation of the world, that plan was decided on. Before Abraham was, Jesus is, and the plan of salvation had already been determined. Verse number 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. May I say to you today that everything you read in the Old Testament does not negate what Jesus did. It supports it. Even though it tears us down and it makes us aware of our sin and it stops our mouth and makes us become guilty before God, everything that the Old Testament was doing was leading us to our own depravity that we might be able to see it in the eyes of God and then recognize that only Christ can save. That's the purpose of the Old Testament. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God which is by faith. Now, I'll tell you, I love the passage, I believe it's in Hebrews, where he said that imputed to me was the righteousness of Christ. Oh, what a wondrous truth. That I traded one day my filthiness for his righteousness. (laughs) Oh, what a glorious thing to think of, friend, that what I received that day in trade for my own wretchedness, my own ungodliness, the very fact that I was guilty before God, he saved me and imputed to me was the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because some of you good people wonder, because it's the nature of the flesh to wonder these things. Here we go, when we come into the presence of God, sometimes our heads are up and we're smiling as if we had a right. And when the awareness of the truth sets in, what we realize is I'm only here because of Jesus. 
I am only here because that day when I bowed before him and believed in the name of Jesus Christ imputed to me was the righteousness of the Lord Jesus and now I stand right before God not because of what I've done but because of what he's done. Therefore, I am justified not by works, not by works, but by faith alone. Not by works. And so the Apostle Paul goes on in verse number, lost it, verse number 27. And he makes it clear that when we stand before God, there will be no boasting. When we stand before the Lord, there will not be one person that said, look what I did. Not one. (laughs) Only Jesus will receive the glory in heaven. (laughs) I honestly don't expect a pat on the back in heaven. (laughs) I don't expect it from you. I don't expect it from anybody I've known. There will be one person receiving glory in heaven. And that is the righteous one. The one that made it possible for me to go to heaven. And so he said, verse number 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And now in verse 25, let me finish with this. Here he begins to declare the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Notice how many times that he speaks of the righteousness of Christ. Verse 25. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. What? To declare his righteousness. His righteousness. For the remission of sins. For the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. I tell you today that no flesh will be justified in the sight of God through the law, through works. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing you can undo that will put you in a place with God that will merit the favor of God because your righteousness simply is nothing but filthy rags. To declare, I say, verse number 26, to declare, I say, at this time, whose righteousness His, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. God is just in allowing me into heaven. Why? Because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been imputed to me through a simple faith in the work that Christ has done as my propitiation. As the one who shed his blood for the remission of my sins, the blood of Jesus Christ, so valued of God, high and above everything else, a name above every name. Jesus died in my place, a substitutionary death. What I should have paid, Christ paid for me, and all that he requires of me is that I believe, that I believe in Jesus Christ, and having believed, The righteousness of Christ is imputed to me. Suddenly I am righteous in the sight of God, not because I did any good work, but because I received the righteousness of his son who is forever and eternally righteous and holy in the sight of God. What a wondrous truth that salvation is not built upon any man's do, any man's working, 
the keeping of any law or the keeping of any standard that man might exalt or, or set up. And, and my, how they do that. And religions all around this world, for the most part, every religion except Christianity is built upon what you do. And yet what Jesus, what the Apostle Paul would say in Romans is that no flesh is justified in the sight of God. Not through the law. Not through works. Anything that is of works is a detractor to the grace that came through Jesus Christ. Anything that you would add, anything that you would subtract to Christ, takes away from the glory of Christ, and I can assure you will be judged on that day through the wrath of God himself. To declare, I say, verse number 26, at this time, his righteousness, his righteousness, that he, God, might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus, where he's boasting then, well, it's excluded. By what law is boasting excluded? By the law of works? No, by the law of faith. What he's saying here is you can't have both. It's either faith or it's works. One or the other. You can't have both. And so we find that the apostle Paul gets very clear. He said, therefore, in verse 28, we conclude that a man is justified by faith. Without the law, the only justification, friend, that you can ever achieve that will get you into God's presence is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You have to be born again. The only way to save you and to save me was by believing in Jesus Christ, the righteous. For in him alone is salvation. In him alone. Oh, what a wondrous truth. That God could reach down and save the heathen, the ungodly, the wicked. That God through his mercy is able to reach down to the very hardest of hearts among us. And through the power of Jesus Christ, through simple faith, he's able to transform them from what they were into something else. And he is just in doing so. Why? Why? Not because of you. See, if it had anything to do with you or me, then it would be dependent upon your continuing perfectness before God. And the truth is, is there is none perfect. Only Christ. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith. By faith alone. Without the deeds of the law. Verse 29. Is he the God of the Jews only? No. Is he not? Also of the Gentiles, yes, of the Gentiles only, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, what we do is establish the law. Come and get us all. Let me close with this truth. When it comes to salvation, there is no other way to get to Christ except through simple faith. When he sat with Nicodemus that night, it was clear 
that God was, the Lord was trying to introduce to Nicodemus a concept he'd never heard before. What he said to him was, is that you must be born again. And explaining this, he made it clear. He said, not of the flesh, right? Because everything that has to do with the law is of the flesh, right? You have to keep it in the flesh. He said, it's not of the flesh that you're born again. It's of the spirit. You got to be born of the spirit. The only way to be born of the Spirit of God is to believe in Jesus Christ. To believe in the only one that has the power to stand in your place as a perfect sacrifice and forever satisfy God's justice. I stand today because when he sees me, he sees the blood of Christ. I'm a child of God and I am like John overwhelmed by the truth as he would write it in first john and said beloved what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we have been called the sons of god i can tell you today the only reason that i'm a child of god is because of jesus the only the only way i get to heaven is through jesus the only thing that keeps me day in and day out is jesus there is no other a man is never has never been justified by works. He cannot be. Because the the word of God has already concluded that we're all guilty. We're all under sin. Only faith. Only faith. And so what we find is the way to be born again is through faith. The Bible said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? It's not by works. It's not by anything man does of himself. It is by simply believing in the work of Jesus Christ and accepting that as your own salvation. I don't know whether you're saved or not saved, but you do. You know tonight where you're at. You know your your heart. You know how it is between you and God. I suggest to you today that, that what you need more than anything is to recognize that Jesus alone is the Savior. He alone is the one that has set you free, and he only is the one that can get you in. Is there a need for living right? Yeah, we, I believe we shared that in a compelling way this morning. We need to live right. But what we do for God is a result of what he's done for us. We're not doing in order to, to get done to. No, we're doing because we have been done to. Because he hath saved me, there is a desire to do for God. And even in that, we fail. Would you stand with us? Let me give you an invitation tonight. I don't know your heart. But I know that Jesus, the righteous today, came to save whosoever will. I'm glad that he wasn't wasn't saying that, you know, if, if you're not white, I don't want you. You know he takes the black and the red and the yellow? Did you know he loves them as much as he loves you? I'm glad that he didn't say, if you've got so much money, then I'll accept you. I'm glad that he, he didn't say, if, if, you're, if you know enough of my word, I'll take you. If you've been to church enough, I'll take you. If you've done this or you've done that, just add one thing to salvation and it all falls apart. 
Because the truth is, is the only thing that could have ever or will ever save you is Christ. Nothing else. And so a salvation according to the scripture is so easy to understand that even a wayfaring fool could believe it and not err therein. A nine-year-old boy, a seven-year-old girl, a six-year-old girl could bow on their knees having been convicted of sin and say, save me. And the righteousness of the perfect spotless Lamb of God would be given to us. We trade the old man for a new one, become a new creature in Christ Jesus. A man is not justified by works, cannot be. But you can be through Christ, the righteous. You've got a need tonight, the altar's open. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. As we stand and sing, if you're here and need him, would you come?